All right, gang. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to Daybreak. I do need to say this. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we said our land loan was like at $11,000 and we're hoping to pay it off by Christmas time. We're now at $7,500, which is, yes, be very thankful for that. Now, here's the really, really cool thing with the $7,500. It is not going to take one person. It's not going to take two people. It's not going to take three people. It will take all of us. So you might in your mind be going, oh, if I could just have like a $5,000 gift. No, 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 no. In God's economy, all of us working together with all of our different means and uh, resources that we have, that pays off things. Not one person. Uh, there's great health here at daybreak. And so just be encouraged that if you are contributing a small amount or a large amount, it's it, in God's economy, it's, it's, it means the same thing. Uh, if you haven't noticed, the, the culture's view on marriage is changing right before our eyes. Now, do not, do not say thank you. Thank you. Ooh, I'll raise my hand if I need comments. Uh, Here's the thing. We're going to talk a little bit about marriage. And for some of you that are married, some of you that are single, I, I don't want you just to go, oh, this isn't for me today. Like, it, it's going to be very applicable for us. It, it, we're going to transition from marriage into, okay, what's that mean for us? But when we look at the state of marriages today, we have to agree that something is not working. Yet the culture continues to do what culture wants to do. That's why you've heard me say at different points along this journey, if you do what most people do, you'll get what most people get. If you want something different, then you have to take a different approach. And that's the beauty with the book of Ruth. So we're going to look again, once again, at the the book of Ruth. We're going to look at a different approach to get to know someone who... Uh, is working toward a marriage that loves God, that honors God, and we're going to translate it into how, how do we actually honor God? Uh, if you looked at, at your daybreak breaking news, you might have seen the title, Finding the Love That You Want. So let's dive into Ruth. If you weren't here last week, let me do a little review for you, because the backstory is really, really important. This is a story of an ordinary family of four that lived in Bethlehem. Your mind instantly goes, oh, Bethlehem, Jesus' birthplace. There was famine in Bethlehem. The father, the husband, got worried about feeding his family, so he left Bethlehem. And he went to Moab, which was 50 miles away. Remember, we said it was about a day's walk. This was a massive mistake. Because God said, don't ever marry the people of Moab. Don't even go to Moab because this was a people that was founded on incest. They worshiped false gods and they had that false god named Chemosh. They would actually make child sacrifices to Chemosh. And God said this in Psalms. He had David pen these words that Moab was his wash basin. So this dad is like many of us worried about his family 
So during the famine, they leave Bethlehem, they go to Moab in order to save their family, just like we would. And the dad and the two sons end up dying in Moab. It's a heartbreaking story, and we were barely through chapter 1. It starts with heartbreak and loss. Naomi turns to Moab, leaves Moab, and returns to Bethlehem in Moab. She actually had two sons that were married to Moab, Moabite women. At the end of this, she decides to go back, but one of them stays in Moab. We see the story pick up when Ruth makes her famous statement to Naomi. Remember the wedding statement in Ruth 1 verse 16? Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. So she makes this great declaration of loyalty. And she turns away from the God of Moab. She turns to the God of Bethlehem. This is her moment of salvation. She becomes new. So what happens? Naomi, the the mother-in-law, and Ruth, the new believer, the new follower of God, return to Bethlehem. They're homeless. They're hopeless. And they're hurting. Okay, so this is where we're going to pick up today. Friends, some of you are hurting today. Some of you are in a very painful place. Chapter 1 starts with heartbreak. The good news is today we're turning a page. We're starting in chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 2. Chapter 1 comes to an end, and we're in chapter 2. Chapter 1 is behind us. Chapter 2 is where we're going to spend some time. I don't know who this is for today, but really in, a, in an honest way, I believe that God is going to turn a page in your story this morning. You've been stuck in chapter 1 for a long time. And right now in God's Word, God is going to do something in your life, show you something, move you in a way that He's going to turn a page in your life. So chapter 1's behind us. Chapter 2 is where we're headed. Look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. As you look there, you're going to discover some good news that whenever you leave Moab and you go to Bethlehem, whenever you turn away from Moab, you'll find God's blessings in Bethlehem. Ruth 2 verse 1. Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. A man of standing from the clan of Emiliac, whose name was Boaz. Uh, another version, another translation actually uses these terms to describe this, uh, this guy, Boaz. They describe him as a strong man. He was a strong man. He's from the clan. His name's Boaz. He's a strong man. He's a man of standing. Now, When he says it's a strong man, this doesn't necessarily mean he had nice arms and wore a tight-fitting t-shirt, okay? So some of you, your mind went, he's a strong man, and now that's all you're thinking about. Don't think that now. I don't know. But my guess isn't he wasn't strong in that way. Whenever we see that word strength in Scripture, it usually means he had internal strength. He had character. It means he had integrity. 
Interestingly enough, in the Hebrew language, it actually also means that he had wealth. (laughs) Or even more literally, he was a man of property. He had property. He was a man of standing, which, if you can allow me to play with this for a moment, I would say that a man of standing is always better than a man of sitting. You don't want somebody who's passive. You don't want somebody who's complacent. You want somebody who is standing, a man of a great work ethic, some drive, who might even own something and, and has a job. What you want is a guy like Boaz. Look at chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And Ruth, the Moab Moabite, said to Naomi, Can I go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor? Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, she entered a field, began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field that was owned by Boaz, who was from the clan of Amalekite. So you go out, you get to work. So Ruth goes out, she enters a field, she begins to glean. Well, what does glean mean? That's an interesting biblical word. Well, to glean is something that you can read about in Leviticus 19. I'll let you read that later. When God commanded the Israelites to let the poor follow behind them. So if you're harvesting something and you dropped a little bit of wheat or a little bit of grain on the ground, you weren't supposed to pick it up. You were just supposed to leave it for the widows or the outcast or those who were poor who could come behind you and they would pick it up. Friends, that was God's economy of providing for them. It was like God's good food bank or a soup kitchen to say, I want to care for those who don't have what everyone else has. So this is what Ruth was doing as a widow. Go out, glean, pick up what they had left over. Look back at verse 3 for a second. She went out, she entered a field, she began to glean. It was owned by Boaz. I I love what one translation actually says. It says, as it turned out. As it turned out, it actually was owned by Boaz. As it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. It just so happened. I believe that this is when you read that God is winking at us. It just so happened, this brings up one of the major themes in the book of of Ruth. You're going to see this over and over and over again. It just so happened. See, when you look at the book of Ruth, remember what we said last week? You're going to notice that there was no supernatural miracles from God. There's no burning bush. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no voices that are booming from heaven. But what you're going to see is you're going to see the supernatural providence of God. The the power of God all the way through the book of Ruth. Well, what is the providence of God? That's a fancy way of saying it's whenever God uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. It's when you think you're just so happening or living that you're just going from one place to another or you just so happen to meet that someone 
This just so happens to lead to something else. It just so happens to lead to the blessings of God. This is the providential power of a good God. We all know Romans 8.28. Or at least you've heard it. We know that this God, He works in all things, in everything, in the good things and in the bad things. See, in chapter 1 that we don't like, shows us the blessings of God in chapter 2, which we do like. He works in all things to bring about his goodwill. He works in all things to bring about good to those who love him and who are called to his purpose. So she just so happens to be working in the field. The guy's name who owned the field was Boaz. This is where Ruth is at her lowest. She's gleaning. She's picking up the leftovers. Cue the handsome hero in the corner. Now, he may not have been handsome, but I like to visualize Boaz as handsome. Even if he was ugly, he was a business owner, and that was a good thing today. We don't know what he looked like. She might have been happy when she saw his looks. He might not have been. So she just happens to come across this man named Boaz. Why do you think she just so happened to come across the man named Boaz? If you remember last week in chapter 1, Naomi, the mother-in-law, actually prayed for Ruth. Do you remember when she prayed? She prayed this, May the Lord show you kindness and may he bring you a husband. She prayed that in chapter 1. And when she prayed, God listens. I want to remind you, every time that you pray to God, he's always listening. God cares about what you care about. And when you cry out to God, God just so happens to show up. That's why praying for, if you have the desire in your heart one day to get married, praying for your future spouse is a really wise thing to do. If you're a praying parent and you want your kids to marry well, it's a wise thing as a parent to pray for your children's future spouses. Friends, when we pray, God so happens to show up. And God just so happens to do what only he can do. So she's out working the field. She's picking up the scraps. She's being responsible. She's working in the field and she just so happens to meet Boaz. Look at verse 4 in chapter 2. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted his workers, the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. And what did he say to his workers? He said, the Lord be with you. What do we see with this guy named Boaz? We see very clearly he's a leader that is respected. He's kind to his people. He's talking to the Lord as one of the first things that he does. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. He comes out and saying to his people, what I love about Boaz is notice he's not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's not a pastor. And yet he has a ministry. He's working his mission field. His fields of harvest is also his field of ministry. And friends, that's a reminder to each one of us here at Daybreak. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be in full-time ministry. 
meaning you don't have to have some kind of title or work for a nonprofit or go to some other country as a missionary to be a missionary at your school. You don't have to go overseas to preach the gospel. Let the way you live preach the gospel. So this is just an ordinary business owner who's letting the the light of who God is and the love of God shine forth. And while he's serving God, he just so happens to notice Ruth. What does he notice? Well, if I was really honest, if she had an online dating profile, it wouldn't have been ideal. If you looked her up and if she was honest, because not everyone's honest, everyone always has one good picture, to be candid, if she had an online dating profile, it wouldn't have been something he was drawn to. What do we know about her? She was a Moabite, meaning she was from the wrong people group. She used to worship the wrong God. She was widowed. She's not a virgin, which was, not, which was a huge deal at that time. She was homeless. She came with, worst of all, a grumpy old mother-in-law. Her travel partner had some real baggage, like, We could keep going. We could say that she had a complicated past if we described it today. But she didn't let her past define her. I'm going to tell you right now, don't let your past talk you out of God's plan for your future. Don't let it happen. Some of you right now will say, well, I could never because I did whatever. I have a complicated past before I was Christian. I lived a sinful life. That disqualifies me. If God can redeem you, He can do the same thing for all your friends and family around you. Don't let your past talk you out of what God wants to do in your present and your future. Go back to verse 5. Okay, Ruth chapter 2, verse 5. Boaz, the overseer of his harvesters, Ask this great question. So we're seeing romance happen in the Bible. Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she, of course, here's the defining of her. She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvester. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now except for a short little rest in the shelter. This is the old version of somebody creeping you on Facebook, okay? He's finding out, I want more details. And the foreman says she's a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me, could I I just take some of the leftovers? My family needs to, to live. All of a sudden, Boaz... Remember the man of good standing is looking at this unlikely woman and he notices some great things about her. So friends, what are you looking for in a woman of God that stands out from you when all around you the culture says one thing? Here's four things that I believe Boaz noticed about her. She's faithful to God. She's loyal to her family. She's a hard worker, and she honors God morally. She's faithful to God. She turned away from her own people and the false God to serve the God of Israel. She's loyal to her family. 
Remember, her sister stayed in Moab. Ruth made the sacrificial decision to stay with Naomi and go to Bethlehem. She's a hard worker. She's not waiting around for someone to meet her needs. She's not crying that she's a victim. She's up early gleaning in the field. And she honors God morally. How do we, how do we know this? Well, we know this because every, almost every widow during that time, that biblical time, was forced into prostitution in order to pay the bills. And she refuses to do what most do. She's out working hard, sweating in the heat of the day. She honors God morally. We see some qualities that stand out. If you want something different, you want to be something different. You want to honor God? You want to be faithful to people? You have to be a hard worker and you have to honor God by living a life that's pleasing to God morally. Look at verse 8 and 9. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't you dare go and glean in another field and do not go away from here. Stay here with the women who work with me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. In other words, what Boaz was saying is, I'm going to protect you from the inappropriate ones. I'm going to watch you. And when you're thirsty, go get a drink. He's protecting, he's caring for her needs. And then what does he do next? The next thing he does is pray for her. Look at verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. All of a sudden, we get to see some qualities that Boaz has. What are some qualities that Boaz has? He honors her. He protects her. He provides for her. He prays for her. Man, who does that sound like? God. We're actually going to see next week that he's incredibly generous. You want somebody who prays for you and prays with you because you need the power and the presence of God in your life. Friends, if you're looking for a man, that's a great list. Men, you need to develop that in your own heart. We need to be men that honor women and protect them and be a blessing to them. Look down at verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvester, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Isn't that our God? A God who really is great in the leftovers. She had all she wanted and she had some leftover because we serve a God who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is is at work within his people. What I want you to know, what I want you to become, 
were to understand this morning is that we serve a God that just doesn't meet the needs that you have, but exceeds our expectations by blessing you with the blessings from God in heaven, in loving you in a way that would honor God and help you feel secure in all that you do. We're going to see much more next week of how to take a different approach if you want a different result. I want to pause and I want to slow down just for a minute. And I want to try to bring this powerful moment with God and summarize what we've seen so far in the story. See, in so many ways, you and I, we're a lot like Ruth. What do we know about her? She was a Moabite. She had sinned against God in a very similar way. You and I are Moabites. We've all sinned against God. We've fallen short of his standards. We've sinned against him. Here's the really cool thing. Ruth comes empty-handed. She had nothing to offer. And you and I come empty-handed because our hearts are deceitful above everything else. Everything good that, that Ruth had, she would have been given to her in the same way everything that we have Everything good that we have, we have gleaned from the goodness of God. A God of love, a God of mercy, and a God of grace. Boaz blessed Ruth with way more than what she expected. Our God, in the same way, blesses us with way more than we ever deserve. His grace covers our sin. His power makes us new. His peace that goes beyond our human ability to even understand. But I want you to notice something. Boaz, Boaz invited Ruth to his table in the same way that Jesus invites us to his table, where he offers us the bread and wine, and we will actually celebrate that today. His body and his blood. So that no matter what your past is like, you can be made new. Friends, if you're stuck in chapter one, it's time to make a change. It's time to turn away from Moab and turn to the God of Bethlehem because when you turn away from Moab, you'll always find God's blessings in Bethlehem. If you're hurting, you're stuck, maybe God today will turn your page. If you're caught in an addiction, maybe as you cry out to him, God will turn the page. For those of you that are losing hope, maybe God will turn the page into a new chapter. You're battling depression, anxiety, fear, mental health. Maybe today you turn to chapter 2. Whatever you're going through, God hears the cries of your heart. He hears your prayers. And when you pray, God just doesn't happen to show up. He shows up. And through his providential power, he takes the natural circumstances and uses them for for good to bring about his divine purposes in your life. Friends, that's how good our God is. So no matter what you're going through, it just so happens that you're hearing truth from God's word today. It just so happens. God may speak to you a word that builds your faith. Today, chapter one is finished. Chapter two has begun. You may be struggling in some area in your life and it just so happens that God's going to speak to someone about your situation. It just so happens that if your faith is low, 
God may build your faith. When you hear His Word, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It just so happens that God brought you here today to hear His Word, to build your faith. Chapter 1 is closing. Chapter 2 begins. God is here. He is here with you and He is for you. Let me pray. God, as we walk into communion, we love that we get to meet at your table. Your table is not just a figurative picture in our minds that we have of your table, but it is the table that is available for everyone. We thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We thank you that as we look at our life, it's not just so happens. You have a great plan. God, as my friends partake of communion with Nancy, God, may you cause this space to be one where we're reminded of where we were to where we can be. We thank you for the gift of salvation. You are a great God. We ask all this in your name. Amen.